What are you doing? Nate questioned, walking into the common area a few days later. I sat at the dining room table, poring over the discs at the terminal I activated from within it. Have you been to sleep more than a few hours? You have done back-to-back shifts for the last few days because of all the people coming down with the virus. Probably not. Tracy told me to look at these, I confessed, studying the discs. I shook my head and whispered, Mom, Dad, Aunt Maddie and our two androids are halfway back to D.C. I know, he said, wrapping his arms around me from the back, I spoke with your parents. Jag, why? I looked at him through my eyelashes. He kissed my neck. Because I needed to know how your mother could discount our dreams and almost allow the president to be in danger, again. This is why, I returned, tapping the screen. I saw it, but I couldn't believe it. My mother in association with that. I played the footage of mom shopping with Charlie, having lunch with her, chatting with her like they are old friends, meeting and talking with known criminals and criminals on our watch list. How do you know that isn't a clone? First of all, that would have creepy ramifications for dad if the one on board with the president was a clone. Second, the clones we've encountered haven't been this sophisticated. I zoomed in on mom's lips. I pointed to the scar. Mom had a cleft palate when she was born, and the surgery left that faint scar. I focused on her eyes. She had to have surgery on her eye too. When she looks a certain way, you can see it. Then I pointed to where mom flipped her hair back to reveal the scar on her neck. Even if they were able to replicate her down to the scars, I had a DNA test done on her, dad and the president by both androids on the cellular level. The data is saved in the diagnostic monitor. I had Ruben and other experts look at it. None of them are clones. What do you think is going on with her then? I am not quite sure. I know there is no way she would work with Charlie on her own, when she is in her right mind. I think it has something to do with a ring on her right hand. She keeps fiddling with it. I am afraid she is under the influence of Charlie somehow, and that makes me scared for Aunt Maddie because Charlie wants Aunt Maddie dead, and the ultimate revenge would be for Mom to take her out. I've heard from some of my contacts about these pieces of jewelry that mess with a person's brain, Nate mentioned, looking at the footage, blocking the part of the brain that distinguishes good and bad. I've heard that too, but the bad part is that's mom's jewelry. She made it to scramble our conversations, so the enemy cannot eavesdrop on them. I showed him the footage in its entirety on all five discs. We have this Charlie person hanging out with General Leonardo and Ruland, Nate concluded, turning me around to see him, your mother, my parents, Judge Valentine along with countless politicians and other judges and leading scientists. They're all wearing the bracelets, rings or necklaces. This is what worries me. I moved back around and rewound part of one of the discs. I pointed to the screen. Vice President Crawford and Secretary of State Grimaldi. I know the attempt on Aunt Maddie's life was on Polo 8, but what if one of them ordered the hit? Crawford would be an easier person to be manipulated by the GIO. Maddie's been pro-IIB, but Crawford hasn't always been. I slammed my hands on the table. We have no idea how this connects to the twin effect, but I know our scientists working on this case are affected by Charlie and the jewelry. The question is if it is connected to the government, is it connected to Charlie and how and why? The question, for me, is who Charlie's mother is because I have the feeling the answers lie with the mother and not Torch, and why does Charlie say she lost everything because of Harley? I literally get angry and want to hurt her every time she calls Harley a demon child. I'm frustrated because I don't know how all the pieces fit together, Nate admitted, 
tilting his head to study me, but I have to confess it does make me mad. What does a child have to do for her to call her a demon child? I shook my head and decided, I cannot figure that out. I just know things aren't as they seem. I wonder if we should look at Harley's parentage. If we are going to adopt her, we need to know about any diseases or conditions that run in her family. If? Are you having second thoughts? No, are you? No. That child belongs with us. You know that. There is just so much we don't know about her race and her parents. I didn't know them well. Frankly, I didn't want to. There were so many rumors about them, about their arguments in public and their grand displays of revenge. Did you know they were abusing her? You know me well. Do you think, if I knew, I would do nothing? He shook his head and said, No, you couldn't, but I didn't know if the higher-ups gaslighted you like they did Graham. The doors chimed. Who's calling on us at, I asked, glancing at my timepiece, 0230 hours. Nate shrugged his shoulders. Chip, identify visitor. Lieutenant Easterly and Major Jordan, the computer told us. We looked at each other. Let them in please, I returned, watching the entrance open. We are sorry to wake you, Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel, Jordan greeted, then surveyed me before looking to Nate, then back to me. You both look like you've been up a while. Nate answered, looking to Jordan, she has been up, going through the footage on these discs. I went in search of her when I realized she was missing. We met up in the travel tram on our way to see you, Jordan advised us. She folded her arms across her chest and ventured, I had no idea the IIB had a lab out here in space. Makes sense though. It's fairly new, Easterly returned, running his eyes over Jordan, who remained as pretty as the day I met her 15 years ago. I saw a slight smile play on his lips. Interesting. It's going to be nice to have a security chief who understands IIB procedures. It is A+, plus, I agreed, gesturing for them to sit. I watched as Jordan sat across from me, and Easterly took the seat next to her. Again interesting. I'd never seen Easterly be interested in anyone before. From what I heard from the crew, they rarely saw him outside of the lab. Can I get you two something to eat? To drink? When they shook their heads, I prompted, What is this about? Jordan started, darting her eyes from me to Nate and back again. I still hear things? I still have contacts that clue me into what is going on. I was wondering if it would be okay if I brought any information I get to you too. Even though I am not an active agent, I am still pro-IIB. Nate and I looked at each other, then at Jordan. We'd like that. Thank you, but I doubt that is all you came here about. You could have asked us that later. She pressed her lips together, then smiled. That is the Jessa forthrightness I missed all these years. I cannot believe the three of us started out on the Washington together and now here you are a colonel. I flashed her a brilliant smile. I knew you two would marry someday. I just didn't realize that Jessa would be going for the mother of the year. She cleared her throat and revealed, but the guy we have in custody, the one who confessed to gassing and trying to shoot the girl is Shane Asher. My sources say he is working for Charlotte Charlie Fackle, the person who is spearheading the GIO. He is her muscle. He takes out people she doesn't like. She has a list, and that girl Harley, is that her name, tops it. Shane Asher has a list of priors that extends from here to Polo 8, including prison time for manslaughter, vehicular murder, and there are other murders he is suspected in, but he has not been connected to. Why is he going along with killing a child? If he is wearing one of the bracelets, 
necklaces or earrings, I questioned, scratching the side of my neck, then it would mess with his sense of right and wrong. If you are already involved in murders, then maybe it would not be a stretch to take out a child. That is not all we found out, Jordan continued, tilting her head to study me. From the rubble, we discovered documents and human remains. The same gas used to attempt to kill Harley is the same gas that was used in the hospital fire. The gas is odorless and colorless, and it is only found on Polo 8. It was hidden in a lot of medical equipment that Dr. Weinhardt brought back and forth from Polo 8 to the Liberty. The person who was checking bags as people came in that night originates from Polo 8. Don't know if he's involved. However, I have no idea why the computer sweeps did not catch it. Nate and I exchanged an amused look. He posed, is it possible that someone shut down that particular command? If someone did, couldn't we determine who? I'm sent a report every time it does a sweep, but, I responded, pulling up the reports, I don't usually pay attention unless I get the alert that it found something. I looked through the sweeps for the last week. I slammed my hands on the table. The computer flagged it days before Harley's room filled with gas and exploded. It has to be someone who knows I wait for the alerts because they turn the alerts off. Jordan countered, meeting my eye, that is not your job. That was your security chief's. How many more jobs were you doing that he wasn't? How many things did he not do because he knew I would do them, I required, running my fingers through my hair. This crew knows I will make sure everything is done. That is because you learned you couldn't trust people to do their jobs, she advised me. Things will be different. I run a tight ship. I know that is why you requested me. I was surprised General Graham didn't give you the approval to trade us sooner. Glad you are on board now, I decided, looking from one to the other. What about the remains and the bodies in the pods we found in the basement of the children's hospital? When I tested the remains and the bodies, I found duplicates of more than three dozen people in high places, easterly reported, stealing glances at Jordan. Senators, congresspeople, royalty and the president and her cabinet with one notable exception. When he saw me raise my eyebrows, he answered, Vice President Crawford. I nodded, meeting Nate's gaze. Yes, of course. I never understood why Aunt Maddie ran with her. We need to look into her connections to Harley and Charlie, and Shane Asher. Easterly revealed, that's not all. I discovered that their first clones didn't work as well as they expected them to. The clones died off and refused to do as they were told. Pages of a journal were found in the rubble. We found at least 100 such pages. I tested them. The fingerprints on the journal belong to Charlie Fackle and Shane Asher. However, there are a few that belong to Torch Fackle. Nate and I exchanged troubled looks. I shook my head. I don't know if he is for us or against us. My gut tells me to trust Maddie's intuition on him. I didn't understand that conversation we had after a night at the C-Sharp. He was drunk, and I was driving him home. I wasn't drinking because I was on antibiotics for something. I don't remember what. He turned to me and said I reminded him of his ex-girlfriend, but he also said that he knew who I was instead of the facade I was portraying. What facade? Just because I didn't tell them about my past didn't mean I was putting on a facade. I was finally learning who I was. I wrapped my hair around my finger and added, I know she sent him in to protect me, but he was putting on a facade too. I just don't know who he is. Is he good, bad or situational? I don't know, Jordan countered, meeting my eyes, his reputation with the IAB is not exactly good nor is it bad. He walks a fine line. 
I can't see him hanging with President Ashton. She's more of a this is good, this is bad type person. She's actually more situational, I replied, tilting my head to the side. I wrote three words to Johnny and Nightcrawler, Vice President Crawford. James wrote back, on the right track. What is her connection to the other players? Do a DNA on this supposed sister of another father. I've heard rumors about her parentage. Why was he up at this hour? Did he have a nightmare? No, I would have heard that. Although he was upstairs now, so maybe. Was he studying for a test? Did one of the other kids have a nightmare? Perhaps he couldn't sleep. I'd ask him later. Johnny replied, right track. Crawford is hiding secrets. Check her peeps before Maddie's campaign. I handed Nate my Quan pad and pointed to the two messages. Nightcrawler used a secure, encrypted account, so no one could see the name of my contact. He read them, then looked up at me. How do we get her DNA? Invite your long-lost, alleged sister to dinner? Oh hell no. She has threatened to kill Harley and everyone I love. I am not bringing her to dinner. Who knows what she would do? I am pretty sure there would be bloodshed, and it wouldn't be one of us, or anyone I love. Jordan wagged her thumb at me. Exactly, you wouldn't intentionally put yourself in that situation. You are very deliberate. If you got caught off guard, that is a different story. To hear Dr. Manning and Major Vincent tell it, you seek out trouble, and kill people for sport. I put up one finger. One person. I killed a man abducting my son, who had abducted a lot of children aboard with the intention to kill their parents and raise them to hate and kill the Freedom Alliance, and I went to him right after. I am aware. I know better. I know you. She gave me a sidelong glance. Did I tell you I am glad to be working with you again? I want a challenge. Major Vincent is going to have an easy time with my old team. I can already see we might need to reassign some of the officers on this security team. Reynolds, Temple, and Memphis, I said with grave deliberation. I watched her nod and added, they start their new assignments next week. We have three of the top security officers joining us now that you are at the security helm. Shouldn't you advise me of these things, Nate questioned, intertwining his fingers with mine. I tilted my head. Do you not read the reports I send you? It was in Monday's report. I took amusement from him looking down at the table, then stammering as he rubbed the side of his neck, yeah, well, um, I just figure you will tell me whatever I need to know, and that is the day all that went down with Colin. He let his voice trail off. From now on, could you read the reports I send? Sometimes I put gems in there, like this, that I forget to tell you in person. I am a busy woman, I advised him, meeting his gaze. I felt my lips inching into a smile. When he flashed me his brilliant grin, I knew he understood I wasn't trying to go Colonel Masters on him. Just so you know, I have called Graham on the carpet for not reading my reports as well, although in his case, he read them but questioned me on the same information I put in the report. If I am going to spend the time writing these reports, people need to read them. I turned to Jordan and Easterly. That goes for you too also. I looked at Easterly and wondered, how do I get a hold of copies of the journal pages? I feel like our answers might lie in them. Easterly picked up his Quan pad and ejected the circular disc in it and handed it to me. We took pictures of the pages and put them on this disc. We have made several copies. We also downloaded it and sent it to your terminal. I moved the disc over to Nate and searched my terminal for the pages. I opened the file and watched as they appeared. 
I read paragraphs here and there as I scroll through the pages. Thank you. Our team and I will cipher through these entries and see what we come up with. Jordan offered, gesturing to the terminal, I didn't go through them all, but when I was taking the pictures, I did come across about five paragraphs that I found incriminating. I dogtailed them for you. She moved her chair back and motioned for Easterly to do the same. I know it is late, Colonel. If you need anything, let us know. I have to get some sleep before my shift tomorrow. Jordan, if you do not have any plans for Saturday night, I'd love for you and your kids to have dinner with us, I invited, looking to Nate, who nodded. Caleb is trying out recipes for his cooking class. It should be fun. He is proving to be a great chef. I accept. I am glad you aren't cooking, Jordan confirmed, stood and started toward the doors. Actually, she is a good cook now, Nate protested, putting his arm around me. She is not up there with the galaxy's best chefs, but her food is edible and tastes good. We aren't eating in the mess hall every night or eating sandwiches. The woman who taught her to cook was a genius. Wow, she would have to be, Jordan remarked, looking over at me. No offense, but you were a horrible cook. Everyone thinks I excel at everything right away, I agreed, giving her a soft smile. Singing, playing the saxophone, cooking I had to practice until I mastered them. Jordan nodded before leading Easterly out the doors. He likes her, but I think he is going to get his heart broken. Jordan doesn't do relationships anymore. She enjoys doing the casual thing. How about you and I go back to bed for a while, and we will discuss all this in the morning, Nate ventured, helping me out of my chair. He led me back to the master bedroom. Peek, Bree yelled as I raised my head from the journal entries I had been reading. I spent the last 10 hours, issuing orders, reading reports, course correcting, dealing with problems in engineering, security and the hospital, keeping the crew calm during the shelling from the Crimson Fleet, assisting in the aftermath. I came into my office after my shift and settled in my black, executive chair and read through the journal entries. When I saw Bree, I wondered, did I call her? I didn't remember calling for her. I'd been so engrossed in the journal entries that I might have and didn't recall it. I folded my arms across my chest and asked, how can I help? You were supposed to meet Graham, Jag and I in Cougars to discuss what we learned 15 minutes ago, Bree maintained, staring me down. I contacted Ace, who told me you came in here and did not come out. I find you in here, reading God knows what. The peak I know does not fake out on meetings on important cases. You feeling okay? I came in here to decompress before I met you all. I glanced at my watch. I decided to read the journal entries for a few minutes before the meeting. I guess I lost track of time. Why don't you call Graham and Jag and have them meet us here? She opened the doors and bid, you can come in now. Then the two men followed her into the room. Bree and Graham took the seats in front of my desk while Nate took the window seat. Bree complained, your mother is so annoying, peak. She keeps calling me to update me on where they are. She refuses to speak to you. She said that your dad and the president are fine. She watched me nod. I have been looking into Vice President Crawford, peak, Nate advised me, waiting until my eyes met his. It's not good. I discovered something interesting. Did you know that Crawford was one of the original members of the EO? That she has a doctorate in microbiology and neurobiology? She, Terence Shaw, Colton Hudson and Summer Paxton experimented with cloning and trying to replicate humans for their thesis? I shook my head and admitted, I actually did. 
I tapped on my Quan pad and continued, the journal entries are those of Summer Paxton. She documented everything that happened in those experiments. It started out fairly innocent. They were investigating why the rate of multiples had rose over the last 20 years at that time. They determined it was popular spices brought from Tango Foer that was causing the increase. A bill was passed to make these spices illegal due to other health problems incurred because of them. Nate picked up, searching my eyes, then they decided what would have happened if the phenomenon would have continued, so they decided to poison the water supply with the spices on Earth and all the vehicles traveling to and from Earth. Bree chimed in, leaning back in her chair, they soon realized they would have to continue spiking the water supply to keep the phenomenon happening. Only the spices on Tango Fowler became rarer to find. They used diverse ways of trying to keep the phenomenon going, but all failed. Graham interjected, folding his hands behind his head, that's when they started experimenting with clones, tweaking the DNA, so the clones would only produce twins. The question is what is the point, I required, rubbing the kinks in my neck. Why prolong the phenomenon at all? There has to be some ulterior motive. Something that would compel them to press on for all those years, and how is that connected to Judge Valentine and to Charlie Fackle? I tilted my head and questioned, has Charlie Fackle been arrested for anything? If she has, couldn't we run her DNA against the Freedom Alliance, IIB and intergalactic databases to find out if we have a match as to who her mother is? This Charlie person doesn't seem to have a past, Nate provided, reaching for my hand. He looked to Graham, motioning between the two of them. We cannot find so much as a traffic ticket on her record. We have her birth certificate, but the odd part is that her parents are listed as unknown. Then we looked into the accident. No one was ever charged with the crime, Graham picked up, glancing at Nate, then me, but Charlie and Torch always believed it was General Keane. Rumor has it Charlie was one of the lovers he cheated on Star Keane with. If true, that connects Charlie to General Keane not to Harley, I maintained, then twisted my mouth. Maybe Harley saw them together and told Star Keane? That is one possibility, Bree decided, tossing her hair back. Other possibilities are that Harley is not Star Keane's child at all, maybe she is Charlie's. Perhaps she is another mistress's or maybe torches with someone other than her mother, like Greta, your mother or the president. Or she might have just saw or heard something she wasn't supposed to, I determined, rocking in my chair. I wonder how long Charlie has been trying to kill Harley because then we could pinpoint what event is probably the trigger. I know Charlie has been seeing a psychiatrist, but the doctor cannot tell us anything he hears in confidence. My conlet chimed, followed by Colonel Masters, this is Major Jordan. I have a person who was wounded in the Polo 8 Children's Hospital fire that has been asking for you and Harley. He wants to make sure you two are okay. Colonel, he has some interesting things to say about Charlie Fackle and someone high in the current admin. Will you tell him I will be there as soon as I can, I charged, putting my thumb to the center of my comlet. When she agreed, I removed it. I looked around the room and wagged my thumb at them. That was refreshing. A security chief who knows what case we are working and watches for any leads that might help us. It is nice that security is fighting with us instead of against us, Nate agreed, darting his eyes around the room. He looked to me and posed, would you like to go see this person she is referencing now? I met Graham's eyes. Why don't we all have dinner at Cougar's? We can discuss the case after dinner. Bree and Graham exchanged a look before they nodded. Then I stood and let Nate walk me out the doors into the travel tram. When we entered the car, 
He waited until the doors closed before he pressed me up against the back wall and kissed me. We exchanged kisses until we heard the doors open. We swung around and smoothed out our black flight coveralls before entering the hospital. Major Jordan greeted us at the doors. She led us to room 552. We walked into the room to see a man burned from head to toe. Hello, Colonel Masters. Thank you for coming. The voice sounded familiar as if I spoke to him recently. I racked my brain about where I heard the voice. I, for some reason, associated the voice with my office. Then it occurred to me. Professor Paxton, I required, studying him. What happened to you? I know you were in the fire at the children's hospital, but why were you there? I had to get all of our precious research out of there. She's gone insane. Why would she do this? Why would she order the fire? Why would she and Charlie turn on us like that? After all our hard work? Then without warning, Professor Paxton went into convulsions. I hit my comm led to signal a medical emergency. I watched as medical personnel swarmed the room, trying to calm him before hooking him up to a diagon monitor, which injected him with an anticonvulsant drug. Nate, Jordan and I looked at each other before I voiced, he said, she's gone insane. Why would she do this? Why would she order the fire? Why would she and Charlie turn on us like that? After all our hard work? Who is the she he is talking about? She and Charlie indicates Charlie isn't heading it. Then who is behind this? Nate and my comlet started chiming in succession. The entire senior staff asked to speak with us immediately except Jordan who stood beside me. Just then Fireball flew into the room. I swept my eyes over him and asked, You are back? Maddie informed me about an hour ago her and my parents were safe in the designated location. You got back quick. I headed back here from Polo 8, he said, then his lips started to quiver. Okay, what's wrong? I cannot find Milano or Haley or any of your children, Fireball admitted, running his fingers through his dreadlocks. Where could they have run off to? Nate approached us and said with grave deliberation, it is not just our kids, looking to Fireball, or your kid. Apparently all of the senior staff kids are missing, along with ones from the Kennedy and Eisenhower. We exchanged a troubled look right as Sung announced over my comlet. Colonel, several people just stole three space pods. They ran right through the hatch in Hangar Bay Alpha. I'm going after them, I told the group. I marched out the doors. The three of them followed. We are going with you, I heard them say behind me. A few minutes later, we piled into a space pod. I slipped behind the helm and started her up, then drove her right through the hole in the hatch. I caught up with the other space pods, trailing a decent distance behind. Just in case anything happened. I geared up the weapons as I hailed the other vessels, return our space pods and our children, or I am going to shoot. When they didn't turn around, I shot their vehicles. After a few minutes, I hailed them again. When they didn't pivot or respond, I powered up the weapons to the next level and shot at them again. We spent the next few hours, following them. The space pods flew onto the surface of Polo 8, then suddenly vanished. We looked at each other. How did they just disappear? Some kind of technology that hid them? How were we going to find them? Then a thought occurred to me. Harley being the biological daughter of an ambassador and a general would have a tracking device embedded in her neck. I called Dad to run the device. Maybe we could get a location from it, if she actually has one. A few minutes later, Dad stated over my comlet, North Pole, 90.0000 degrees north, 
135.0000 degrees west. Just like on Earth. They are underground, about 10 feet. I will send the tracking information to your Quan pad. After all that went down with Mom, I was surprised he helped us. Thank you, I muttered, looking over what he sent me. Then I opened the top of the diamond in my engagement ring and tapped my homing device. I motioned Nate to do the same. He did as I felt for my piece in the secret compartment of my black flight coveralls. After we hid the space pod, we traveled to the area before seeing a door in the ground that glittered in the light of Polo 8's dual suns that caught my eye at the base of a large hill as we reached the exact coordinates. It was buried under foliage. I bent down and tried to pull open the door, but it had a screen on it with a keypad. I motioned for Fireball to take over. After a few minutes, he pulled open the door and held it open as I climbed down the spiral staircase that seemed to be swallowed into the ground as we hit the second step. We came face to face with an underground city, filled with houses, shops and restaurants littering the streets. A large glass building sat in the middle of the field behind the stores on the north side. It towered over any of the other buildings and seemed to be drawing me to it. I didn't know why, only that I needed to investigate. It didn't make sense to hold the children in a building where everyone came. Then again, it wouldn't make sense to hold them in the children's hospital because they knew it would be the first place I would look. I'd been to the children's hospital many times when I sat by Harley's side. My other children were of no consequence to these capturers. Why take them? Charlie did say she would kill everyone I loved. Did she plan to start with my children? Was Maddie okay where she was? What about mom and dad? What if one of Maddie's secret service members turned on her? What about my brothers Robert and Paul? Were they okay? Robert was helping out on a third world colony on the moon, which is how Haley came to live with us. Paul? Was he okay? I asked mom on my Quan pad to find out. Whether she would, I didn't know. We moved into the glass building just as it shook. What was that? Fireball demanded, holding onto the wall near the doors. I looked around. No one ran out of the building. I could see no smoke. The building didn't collapse as with a bomb exploding on a higher level. I didn't hear screaming. Probably an earthquake. This part of Polo 8 gets hundreds of small ones a day. It gets a 5.7, 6.0 earthquake 20 times a day. Usually randomly throughout the day, which is why the children's hospital is at the other pole. I would hate to work here, Jordan decided, raking her eyes around the group. It would be like working on an amusement park ride. However, Nate observed, twisting his mouth, they figure no one will rescue the children from this pole because of the earthquakes except us. I glanced down at the information on my Quan pad and decided, they are in this building, but they are down in the basement. I located a travel tram and stood in front of the panel, trying to figure out how to get to the basement. There was no visible button that took the car there. I fingered the side of the panel when I noticed a lip. After running my finger along the side for a few moments, the panel fell off into my hand and a keyboard appeared in the wall behind it. Fireball moved in front of me and played with the buttons. In a few minutes, the car shot down to what I could only presume was the basement. The doors open, and we moved out them. We noticed a large room with no furniture, no laboratory equipment, nothing. Several doors lined the walls. We split up. Each of us took a door and followed it. I traveled through the doors in the center. I walked down a long corridor turning left then right then left and left before I came face to face with Jordan, Nate, and Fireball. We appear to be going around in circles, I determined, 
then wondered, I wonder what would happen if we went the other way. At the first turn, I went left. If I went right. It's worth a shot, Nate agreed, heading back into the maze he came through. Then we all followed suit. I navigated my way back to the first turn and went right instead of left, then I continued to make the opposite turns until I saw a huge room with separate smaller rooms. Instead of there being a door on each, there was a glass or clear partition that allowed me to see who resided in each room. It was an electronic containment field that kept the residents from exiting. I spied children in each of the rooms. Three to each room. I recognized many of the children. Guards stood outside. I wondered how we were going to get them out of there. The guards were no problem. We could easily disarm them and disable them until we were done. It was the electronic fields that concerned me. I put my fingers to my mouth as I studied the rooms. Fireball knocked my hand from my mouth and said with grave deliberation, We've got this. Don't worry. All we have to do is hack into the main system that is powering the fields. All we have to do, I questioned, glancing back at him, and how do you suppose we do that? I swung around to see him. We have no idea where the main system is, and I doubt we have enough time to find it. They want those kids dead. Or they knew you would follow them, perhaps they wanted to lure us to Polo 8, Nate decided, closing the gap between us. Or both, Jordan prompted, looking around. If these people hurt my kids, I will kill them. Same, fireball, Nate and I said in unison. We looked at each other. I held myself back from laughing as I am sure the other ones did. Fireball headed over to a tall woman with long, blonde hair covering her shoulders at the counter that separated us from the rooms. Her light blue eyes ran over him as he started to whisper things to her in a low, audible voice that I knew only she could hear. She seemed interested in what he said. They exchanged conversation for a few minutes before she reached out and touched his cheek. Then she came around the counter, put her arm around him and led him away from the group. I'm assuming, Nate observed, looking over at me, that is some version of the peacock dance. He calls it the suave shuffle, I advised Nate and added, but he better not do what he used to do when he did the suave shuffle, I will hurt him if he hurts her. I don't think that he would hurt Ace, but I don't know. His mother died. I understand they were not close, but he is acting like everything is normal. However, if he gets us in and helps us rescue the kids, I don't care what he does. Peak, everyone grieves in different ways. You didn't grieve when Harrison died even though he raised you for most of your life. You don't grieve a monster. Maybe Judge Valentine was a monster of another kind in Fireball's point of view. I guess so. I moved around and looked at the kids again. I paced back and forth, back and forth. I hated waiting. I liked being in control, being able to control every aspect of our part of the mission. Now I was forced to wait on Fireball to do his part. I trusted Fireball, but I felt helpless to rescue them, and I did not do helpless well. I picked up the pacing again with more furor. What if he failed? What if he couldn't hack into the main system? What if we have to find another way to open those fields? What if we couldn't get them out? What if they died because of our delay in getting to them? I knew my children were in those rooms. I could sense them. I knew they and the children of the others depended on us to rescue them. You know, he is not going to let you down, Jordan assured me, folding her arms across her chest. You have always been his hero. When he and I used to date. I turned to her and asked, you dated Fireball? I watched her nod. Has any female in my circle not dated him? 
You are going to be hard-pressed to find one, she decided, running her fingers through her hair. Especially if she is going through her bad boy phase. He can be extremely charming when he wants to be, and he has this habit of making you feel like you are the center of his universe, even you fell for his charms. I nodded. I marvel at how he and I are still friends after all I did to him. Nate questioned, rubbing my shoulders, all you did to him? What about all he did to you? I shook my head. I knew he had feelings for me, and I knew I had feelings for you. It wasn't fair for me to date him, but I thought he would be the man to get me over my feelings for you. I was naive because I now know no man ever could do that. He kissed my cheek, then whispered, that's what I like to hear. Yeah, everyone could see you two were meant to be together, even when she was married to Ben and carrying Regina, Jordan interjected, looking at me then at him and then at me again. You two just seem to care so much about each other. You used to get so mad at me when I referred to Nate as your work husband because you were trying so hard to make your marriage with Ben work. Do you miss him? Ben? I gave her a brief smile. It is hard to miss someone you see more now than you did when you were married. I saw the stricken look on her face. I have dreams that give us information about our cases and our lives that are 100% accurate. Ben leads the team on the other side that gives us the information. I see him more now than I did when he was alive. I see people who were important to me like Ben, my brother Sonny, Tony's wife Tracy and Nate's first partner slash my ex-boyfriend Cougar. I studied her for a moment and expressed, Jordan, I am your commanding officer, yes, but I am also still your friend. If you ever want to talk, let me know. Her lips inched up at the sides before she decided, I might take you up on that, but not right now. I get it. There is always Dr. Dakota, Reverend Presley and Easterly to talk to. Easterly? The guy in the lab? That's the one. I suspect he likes you. He's nice and all. He is really not my type, and I think it is too soon to be starting anything. I get that, but I suspect he can use a friend as much as you can. She nodded just as we watched Fireball make his way back to us and beckon us to follow him. We followed him to the main computer system where he ran his fingers over the screen. The woman he charmed standing over us, looking around to make sure no one saw us. Was she on our side? Was she not? What did Fireball promise her in exchange for her assistance? I didn't know. I hoped he didn't promise her what he used to promise women in this situation. Why did I have a low opinion of his ability to stay faithful to Ace? Was I allowing what happened between him and me to cloud my judgment? He loved her, far more than he ever loved me in that capacity, so wasn't it reasonable to assume he could have changed? That she was the one woman he could remain faithful to? I worried for Ace and Rain. A few minutes later, he hacked into the software that controlled everything in the compound. It took him several more minutes to remove the fields from the rooms. They appeared the same, but I watched as he deactivated the fields. It took him longer than usual to hack into the system. I wondered if his skills dulled being on the liberty. He used to be able to break into any computer system in 30 seconds flat. More difficult ones could take up to a minute. I twisted my mouth, formulating my plan to liberate the children. I gathered Nate and Jordan and decided, I think we should make one child go missing at a time. We rescue one child every 15 minutes or so. If we do that, the guards won't be as suspicious. Or we could just take out the guards, Nate suggested, looking around the huddle. I don't mean kill them or anything unless we have to. Maybe we knock them out or use that technique Dr. Rubin showed you where you temporarily paralyze them until we get the children out of here.
Or, Jordan interjected, running her hand over her hair, I can distract the guards while you, gesturing to Nate and me, liberate the children. Or Jordan can distract them while I can use the technique, I proposed, looking to Nate, then to Jordan, and you can watch them. If they awake before we are finished, then you can distract them. Dad has every agent in a 2,000-mile radius surrounding the planet. We are going to move the children up to the surface where they are going to put them on space pods bound for their home space vessel. When I watched both nod, Jordan moved over to the two guards. She asked, how do I get back to the main floor? As they started to show her on their quan pads, I crept behind them and put one hand on each of the guards and pressed the right combination of nerves to cause them to collapse to the floor. I whispered, we should rescue one room at a time because someone is going to get suspicious if we rescue them all at the same time. I agree, Nate confirmed as he headed to the far left room while I moved toward the far right. After an hour of us rescuing children while Jordan watched our guards, I re-evaluated our plan and ordered the agents I had on standby to swarm the place. Some dusted for fingerprints. Others searched for evidence while we evacuated the children. Neither Nate nor I had seen any of our children until we rounded the corner and found row upon row of similar rooms. When I entered a room in the middle of the third row, I found James, Milano, Remy, Caleb and Danny huddled in the corner of a room that felt as cold as an Alaskan blizzard. My nose detected something off with the air. It was nothing I could put my finger on, but the air seemed different somehow. I ventured inside and helped them to their feet, one by one. I ran my hands up and down their arms, trying to warm them up before I handed them off to another team of agents. Then I moved into the next room, where all the girls were hanging out in one corner, sitting as close as they possibly could to each other. I assisted them to their feet and gave them over to another team. Harley, Lizzie and Mia tried to hang on me and not let go, but I told them that Ashley, Rena and Haley would be with them while I continued rescuing the children. I watched as they reluctantly let the older girls hold them and move toward the agents. My heart broke not being able to hold them and assure them everything would be alright. As I evacuated the last of the children, I felt the ground underneath us tremble. Not like the usual smaller aftershocks. This was not the normal earthquakes known by this planet. I suspected something else was going on. When the agents came to get the last of the children from Nate and me, I said with grave deliberation, get those children off this planet as quickly as possible. Head to a nearby planet or to the Liberty. Just get as far away from this planet as possible. What do you think is going to happen? One of the older agents asked, leaning against the wall of the hallway. He folded his arms across his chest and hit me with a level stare. We have agents all over this place. I knew this man. His reputation preceded him. Agent Light, I understand that, but I also understand that I have been to this planet many times, and those rumblings are not the normal earthquakes that occur here. That is something else. A warning to get off Polo 8 as soon as possible. You think it is a bomb? Where is your proof? He demanded, causing me to internally roll my eyes. The rumblings, the air seems different in the room somehow, but, I advised him, meeting his stare. If you do what I say and nothing happens, you didn't lose anything, but if you don't do what I say, and I am right, then all those children and all these agents are going to get hurt, and worse. I then raised my eyebrows and told him, it doesn't matter whether I can distinctively show you proof that there is a bomb. Jag and I are the senior agents on this mission. We called you here to help us. Now, help us by moving those children and yourselves away from this planet. I stared him down as the building shook again. A little more violent this time. 
he motioned the other agents to join him as they walked away from us. Not willing to let him relay the message, I advised the other teams to move the children away from the planet. Jordan started sniffing the area and decided, I smell it, Colonel, not that I didn't believe you. I smell a gaseous substance. I believe we need to evacuate immediately. I do too. We need to get out of here before the building explodes. I went through all the rooms. Empty. I went over the list of missing children and the ones we found. We had rescued all the children, I determined, just as the building started to rock. I motioned them to follow me, and we rushed back up to the main floor where we ran toward the doors. We hurried out them and toward the space pods, watching them take off one by one. We found ours and ducked into it. I made sure everyone buckled up before I slipped behind the helm, started it up and lifted it into the air. We joined the other space pods before the building exploded. I watched it on the helm as I sped away from the planet and back toward the Liberty.